Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, A-TIP Update. That's correct. Advanced Aerospace Threat Intercept Project. Boy, that is a mouthful. That's a project that uh, Louis Elizondo came from, uh, the, the uh, fellow that now works with To The Stars Academy. Uh, it's been in the news with Harry Reid. And there's been a lot of conflicting information related to ATIP that's been released, whether it even existed or not, in fact. And that's led to some problems and to a lot of questions. And today... A couple of articles were released on VeryTopSecret.info, VeryTopSecret.info, which I found very informative, enlightening really. The first article, which I'm not going to read through just for the sake of time, but you can go take a look at it, deals with the fact that uh, multiple people, I suppose probably dozens if not more, have sent FOIA requests to the Pentagon or various branches of the military seeking information about the ATIP project. And what has happened is a lot of different uh, information has been released, some of it conflicting or apparently conflicting, some of it limited. And as the requests have gone along, uh, the information released has uh, been a little more expansive. So what happened was some people were questioning why they were released uh, just a tiny bit of information, and maybe somebody who sent a request later on was released more information or even information that seemed to conflict. So what happened was finally the Pentagon spokesperson, uh, and you can look her up, sent out a, a uh, form letter basically to, uh, I suppose, anybody who sent in FOIA request, explaining that the reason that the information that some people had received and seemed to be conflicting or incomplete was because just the way the information is stored. So what was happening is as, as FOIA requests were received... Uh, employees of the Pentagon or whatever military branch were going around looking for that information. They were physically going around looking for it. And what they didn't realize is that the information had been stored in different places, at different levels, and so there was some confusion of where to go find the pertinent paperwork that people were requesting. And so what was happening is, as this search was um, continuing, the amount of information that people were actually able to find was growing and that does seem to make sense. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on that, you know, and not just automatically jump to the conclusion that this that this uh, late latest uh, uh, correspondence was set out as some sort of a CYA maneuver by the military. I could actually see how that could be a problem because, you know, you have a program that uh, was operational maybe 10 or 20 years ago, and now people are asking for copies of specific papers or forms or requests or whatever. And not all of this stuff probably has been uh, photocopied or digitized to where they can just punch a button and find it. They're actually having to go around and physically open file cabinets to try to find this stuff. Which, believe it or not, actually does happen with the government. It's crazy how long they can hold on to a piece of paper. Now, I do know 
that uh, most of the government agencies, what I've been told is, is that they're all trying to convert all of their paper uh, data and evidence over to, to digitized form. And I suppose that is happening, but it's been my experience that sometimes these pieces of paper can lay around for a very long time before they're maybe photocopied and put on a, and put on a computer drive somewhere. So you can look that article up. It's a short article, uh, and I think that came off the blackvault.com, and explaining why there seems to have been some discrepancies in the responses to FOIA requests about ATIP. Now, there's a second article that appeared on verytopsecret.com, posted January 14, 2020, and it's titled, Luis Elizondo Addresses the Pentagon UFO Program Controversy, AATIP-Breaking the Silence. And it's written by someone who goes by the name of VTSI Admin, I guess. I don't know, however you can pronounce that. And it begins, it says, Luis Elizondo speaks out on criticism, the Pentagon, disclosure, and the future from shadows to headlines. Now, if you listen to this podcast at all, you know that I'm quite frequently critical of the way um, the Nimitz video was handled, you know, involving Luis Elizondo and TTSA. So I think it's only right that I, uh, once in a while, give these guys uh, the chance to speak their mind. And if he wants to come out and talk about what people are saying, that's great. I I welcome that, and I'll be more than happy to give him the floor. The article starts off, it says, in October of 2017, Luis <clears throat> Elizondo stepped out of the shadows, whether he wanted, to, wanted it or not. He became an instant celebrity to UFO enthusiasts the moment he walked across a dimly lit stage. He stepped up to the microphone and began recounting his time with the Department of Defense, and how he had run a sensitive aerospace threat identification program. Then, at a moment which appeared to be marred by some reluctance in his voice, Elizondo told the world that while he ran that program, he learned the phenomena, as he called it, was indeed real. The phenomena he refers to is that of unidentified aerial kind, or more, pro- or more popularly referred to simply as UFOs. He was introduced to the stage by Tom DeLong, a rock star and entrepreneur who had recently formed the To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science, TTSA. Elizondo was part of a newly developed team which aimed to Quote, investigate the outer edges of science and unconventional thinking in order to push human knowledge. Exactly what Elizondo's role would be in this newly formed group was not immediately known, but his story intrigued the masses. I just have to interject right there that when your corporate mission or your goal is something so nebulous as investigate the outer edges of science and unconventional thinking in order to push human knowledge. I'm sorry, man, but that just sounds like a bucket of you-know-what to me. I mean, that is the opposite of scientific discourse. If we're going to talk about stuff in a scientific way, we need to name it and number it. Not 
just drop out this quantitative, qualitative, rather nonsense. We need quantitative. We need to be able to measure it. We don't need qualitative, where we talk about our feelings and all the kumbaya. Okay? This is the opposite of a scientific endeavor. It is the exact opposite. Okay, back to the article. Sorry I had to interject there. Two months after Elizondo was introduced, the New York Times and Political simultaneously published bombshell articles that took Elizondo's story to a whole new level of exposure. Elizondo went from a celebrity within UFO circles to becoming the headline of an international story. One more interjection, please. So we have two left-leaning magazines at the same time just happen to break the same story. If I'm a little skeptical here of the fake news, please forgive me. The article goes on. Rumors of metal alloy debris recovered from unidentified aerial phenomena. Notice there, they're changing the narrative. They're trying to change the terms. Just call the dang thing a UFO. Call it what it is. Allegations that are that tens of millions of dollars on UFO research was secretly spent and an in-depth look under the veil of secrecy which surrounded Elizondo himself were just some of the bullet points within these viral stories. It was picked up by media outlets around the world and very quickly the subject of UFOs was no longer a laughing matter. Subtitle Controversy Begins to Brew To many who researched the phenomena, this was the moment they had been waiting for. They believed that disclosure by a world government of an extraterrestrial presence was about to take place. But despite that enthusiasm by many, others were cautious and even downright conspiratorial. Excuse me, let me interject here. Asking relevant questions is not being conspiratorial. When Mr. Elizondo tells us he was in charge of a secretive government UFO investigative team, but can't explain where tens of millions of dollars have gone, we have a right to ask as taxpayers, where did the money go? Was this just some sort of scam on the taxpayers? Or was, was this guy just traveling the world, enjoying himself, having, having a good time on taxpayers' dime? Or was there actual scientific research being done on UFOs? Or was Mr. Elizondo simply setting up connections so that when he went through that revolving door between the government agency, in fact, a new, a new government project, in fact, set up, that, that, that revolving door where deep state employees seem to revolve out of the government, military, or whatever complex, into private life and draw big salaries, we have a right to ask, was Mr. Elizondo simply using ATIP as his deep state corporate revolving door? Was he using this just as a job where you uh, go to work every day and do nothing? What happened to the $10 million or the tens of millions of dollars? Where did the money go? It's not a conspiracy theory. To simply ask where taxpayer dollars were spent. The article goes on.
Ideas began floating, and many others were cautious and even downright conspiratorial. Ideas began floating in some circles that Elizondo was part of a CIA-backed cabal aimed to misinform the masses. And DeLong, who was already known for saying some very out-there ideas on his social network pr platforms, was simply a pawn in a shadowy government disinformation campaign. Then you had those in the middle. The, this group was optimistically cautious about the narrative, but they began to see red flags raised about some facts and motives around the story. So they wanted answers. The ideas floating around exactly what was unfolding were not only diverse, they were incredibly diverse. Many found themselves firmly planted on one side of the debate or the other, and battle lines within various online communities were drawn. Emotions would run high, and friendships would be challenged or even broken. Colleagues would heed their separate ways from each other, would had their separate ways from each other, working with each other, and to make all matters worse, verifiable facts were scarce to help differentiate between what was right and what was wrong. The Pentagon began issuing statements that questioned Elizondo's background and his claims. And you can go back and look at some of the podcasts that I've done about the Pentagon throwing ATIP under the bus. Well, in fact, they pretty much threw ATIP and Louie both under the bus. The article goes on. Although the Pentagon confirmed that the secretive Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program existed, controversy quickly began to brew about what the U.S. government's position really was. Could ATIP really have been a secret UFO program? What exactly did it find? Was the entire viral story simply a misinformation campaign orchestrated by the U.S. intelligence community? Official statements did very little to answer those questions. However, those uncertainties all paled in comparison to what would happen next. The Pentagon dropped a bombshell of their own in June of 2019 and said Elizondo had no assigned responsibilities on ATIP. There you go. That's the Pentagon throwing Elizondo directly under the front wheels of the bus. Back to the article. The exact program he claimed to have ran, although worded cryptically, the intentions were clear. Whether truthful or not, the Pentagon now aimed to hurt the credibility of one of their own. The story that the public was fed for a year and a half, which caused so much excitement and confusion, was completely called into question. This was a tipping point that took the story to the trenches of yet another deep debate. The roller coaster of official statements that brought good news and bad, now seemed to come to a screeching halt. Elizondo's story, along with the claims about ATIP, were being challenged by the U.S. government. And the article goes on from there. But the point is this. People are putting so much faith in... Uh, DeLong's company, this Two Stars Academy. But we are being given conflicting evidence. 
week by week, really, by by uh, unnamed sources, by uh, answers to FOIA Pentagon request, and now, and just now, after all this has been going back for all this time, where Elizondo was given the given the video from the Navy with the with the Tic Tac video that we've talked about repeatedly, uh, he was allowed to go out there and push his story for a year and a half. And then as the public starts to really recognize um, the fact that UFOs exist, what happens? The Pentagon comes out and says, no, we don't know this guy. We've got nothing to do with him. Well, people have been getting FOIA requests all along, and some of the things they're saying uh, doesn't make sense. Now we have conflicting evidence from the government. Maybe he worked in this department. Maybe he worked in that department. Who knows? So after all this confusion surrounding to the Academy of the Stars, surrounding why they were why they were ever giving the given the U.S. Uh, Nimitz videos in the first place, after the Pentagon comes out and denies that uh, Elizondo even worked for him, and clearly that seems not to be true. It seems like he did in fact have a position with the federal government. Sure seems that way. So people begin to uh, give some pushback on this they start to understand that we're not being told the truth. And what happens? Well, just this week, what happens is the Pentagon puts out a cover letter to tell everybody not to worry about it. Nothing to see here. Simply some people having a little trouble finding the paperwork that you ask them to find and that's why when one person got a FOIA request, they got one answer. And when another person got a FOIA request, they got a different answer. No harm, no foul, right? Well, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I really want to believe that the Pentagon's being truthful here. And that the real problem is is that the data people is requ- are requesting, a lot of it's in paper form, and it's literally sitting in a file cabinet somewhere. But at the same time, even though I don't have the highest level of trust in the To the Academy of the Stars organization, or, or what they're really trying to do, at the same time, at, at some level, I want to give Elizondo the benefit of the doubt. He has shown some evidence that he was a government employee. There is some evidence that he did, in fact, run an organization called ATIP. In fact, Harry Reid has come out and talked about ATIP and how he was the one that helped fund it, got the funding for it. So what we end up with is, we end up with, with, with what sounds like a pretty tall tale on one side, but on the other side, what we have started out as complete complete silence really devolved into uh, complete denial and now has finished up with a well maybe we talk about this all the time on the podcast and that's about transparency And the main issue that I have with the Louis Elizondo case, and the Pentagon for that matter, is neither party seems to want to engage in real transparency. 
Both parties seem to want to hold back on the truth. Both parties seem to want to put their story out there and their story only. But until we can get clear paperwork from Elizondo, like uh, stuff from HR showing where he worked, when he worked, what he did, uh, who his boss was, who he reported to, some names of some people reported to him, so we we can see him in a command structure, where he was at in the chain of command. If he can show us that himself from his own records, that would be awesome. If the Pentagon, on the other hand, could prove to us that this program existed, but he wasn't the one running it, or if he had nothing to do with it, that'd be awesome too. But so far, all we've gotten is a lot of conflicting data from both parties. And this is the biggest problem that you run into when you're depending on somebody else to provide disclosure for you. These big organizations are not transparent. They're opaque. They're not even designed to give disclosure. The Pentagon's a military organization, for crying out loud. It's not designed for disclosure. It's designed for secrecy. That's the whole point. So as UFO investigators ourselves, I would say the best thing we can do with a lot of these private for-hire companies is pretty much just ignore them. Don't fall into the trap of thinking because these guys get a show on the History Channel that they're going to bring you disclosure. We don't know anything about these guys, really. We don't know their motives. They haven't shown us that they have the motives of transparency or disclosure. Not when they're engaging in secret government contracts. And I think that, just to conclude here, that what the Pentagon did this week, sending out those letters, explaining to people the reason for the uh, conflicting the conflicting responses to the FOIA, saying, hey, we're just as much in the dark in this thing as you are. That should be a warning to all of us. If you want disclosure, you'll have to find it yourself. Now, until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.